0: This is Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national and international stories focusing on journalism and communication issues, news and politics. Now, the latest edition of Update One.
1: Welcome to Update One. I'm Viola Ginger, a member of the National Press Club's Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Washington Post columnist Alexandra Petri on a fun topic, the National Press Club's annual spelling bee coming up on Tuesday, September 17th at 7 p.m. in the club's historic ballroom. The spelling bee pits a panel of journalists against a roster of politicians and has become a Washington tradition. The club's first press versus politician spelling bee was held in 1913 with newly elected President Woodrow Wilson in the audience. Members of the U.S. House and Senate won that contest. Proceeds from the event support the activities of the club's nonprofit journalism institute. The institute defends Press Freedom Worldwide, and it provides training for news professionals and scholarships for the next generation of journalists. National Press Club President Allison Kojak of the Associated Press will serve as the host of this year's Bee, and we have the honor of having Dr. Jacques Bailey, the Scripps National Spelling Bee's official pronouncer to officiate again. U.S. Senator Tim Kaine won the B in 2013, and Representative Don Beyer won in 2015. But journalists have swept to the championship in the past three years, including our guest today, who won last year. At the Washington Post, Alexandra Petrie's columns offer what the newspaper calls a, quote, lighter note on the news and political insanity of the day, unquote. And certainly there's plenty of that go around. Alexandra joined The Post as an intern in 2010 after graduating from Harvard College, and the same year became the youngest person to ever have her own column at The Post. She has won the National Press Club's Angele Gingras Award for humor writing, and the Shorty Award for Best Social Media Accounts and Influencers. She has 150,000 followers just on Twitter, And she has been named to the Forbes list of 30 Under 30 and Rolling Stone's 50 Funniest People right now. And she's the author of a collection of essays called A Field Guide to Awkward Silences. Alexander, it's fun to have you here today.
0: Oh, it's fun to be here.
1: (laughs) Your vocabulary was most definitely on display in your recent column, where you took on the persona of a bedbug, complaining about being dragged into the whole mess of American politics. You tossed in words that most of us hopefully will never need to learn: <laughs> rostrum, carimones,
0: and chitinous, you seem to enjoy playing with words. Yes, well, I think when you hear from a Cymex Lectularius, which I just wikipedia and is apparently what a bedbug scientific name is, but I may not be pronouncing it correctly, that's always, I feel like, the bane of people who love reading is you can see a word on the page and know what it is, and then when you say it out loud, you just make an idiot of yourself perpetually. So I'm always the person saying segue instead of segue and whatnot. But I do enjoy a good, meaty, polysyllabic word. I mean, why should George Will have all the fun? Were you a spelling champ from an early age? No, that was, one of my regrets was, I think I was in a spelling bee in, like, second-ish grade, and I didn't put a comma between Washington and D.C., and so I was eliminated, which to this day I'm still somewhat resentful of. Like, it's not a punctuation bee, it's a spelling bee, but... (laughs) Anyway, I've had that chip on my shoulder ever since.
1: So I'm well, I agree. I mean, AP style, notwithstanding. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I know grammar bee would be fun. I wonder if they have one of those. So this year will be the second time you've been in a spelling bee in your adult life.
0: No, I also competed in this bee two years ago, so this will be my third time third. coming up. So what are some of the f- most fun words that you've made up
1: in your writing? Ooh,
0: I don't know if I've made up any words. I've been trying to make the word goofbag happen just because I feel like it's a nice sort of affectionate way of referring to someone who's doing a bad thing. But it has yet to really land. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the course of playing Scrabble with my husband, which we do very often because we're fun, hip, uh, 30-somethings we discovered that apparently gink is a word, which we thought maybe was a type of lizard or sounded like some sort of slur, but it's just, and the topic sentence, the sentence explaining what the word meant was, what is that gink doing? So we still don't know exactly what a gink is, but that's a word that apparently exists. And as far as we can tell, just means a foolish person. So in the G section of the dictionary, I'm really trying to make some strides. (laughs) Well, I'm sure your 150,000
1: followers on Twitter would be happy to help you with that.
0: <laughs> you know, the trouble is, whenever you say it, you think, this has to mean something that I don't know what it is, and it sounds bad. It sounds wrong whenever you say it. So I'm not sure if I had to concentrate all my effort into making a word happen, I'd pick that one. Yeah, I really there, want to get, like, facetious happening more or something like that. So where does your sense of humor come from? I think pr- probably my family. They were good at seeing the absurd in things and we laughed a lot growing up. It's a hard question (laughs) I'm always like, well I wish I could pinpoint, I'd say, well there's this one incident where I was walking through a lab and I was suddenly bitten by a radioactive book of puns and ever since it's been all you know, (laughs) the, the spider life, but I don't have a clear answer. I think I enjoyed reading things that were funny and I enjoyed making jokes and I, getting to make people laugh is just the coolest feeling in the world. So a combination of that positive reinforcement and being surrounded by people who didn't mind puns, I think, really led to my continuing to work in that area. And you used to do a little stand-up comedy, right? I did, very briefly. I think, fortunately for the world, I have mostly stopped doing that. So I dragged my folks to this open mic in high school, and I had a whole bit based around how the word matriculation sounded sort of naughty. So really, it was just exactly the content that people were craving. <laughs> it was a lot of matriculation-based humor. I'm enjoying doing sitting-down comedy with a, in, behind a keyboard, I think, is more my forte. So what's your idea of a writer's block? Ooh, writer's block, that's when I get most of my cleaning done. I think <laughs> Robert Benchley always said, the best way to get anything done was to have a much more urgent project that you were procrastinating on. And I certainly find that to be true. Usually when I'm having writer's block on one thing is when I start something else or I'll go and read. I think it's always when I'm not reading enough that I have most difficulty generating ideas. So then I go and I read the print comics and I see what Mark Trail is up to. And then I sort of slowly work my way back. But the good thing about deadlines is that you're forced not to have writer's block. Otherwise you really have some explaining to do. (laughs) There's that. (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about this year's uh,
1: Press versus Politician Spelling Bee. So we're really delighted, as I said, that you're coming back again to compete this year. Why do you participate?
0: Well, I love to spell. uh, And I think, yeah, the the joys of orthography continue to draw me to this. Plus, it's fun seeing, getting to... Compete in a, be as an adult, and it's nice to have something that you can sort of sit down and do with people who ordinarily, that that might not be the kind of interaction you'd have.
1: Well, I was wondering if this is some come, some kind of comeuppance for your father. I understand he served as congressman representing Wisconsin for 36 years?
0: I, you know, I don't think, I'm not sure he ever did the spelling. I think he was afraid of having one of those Dan Quayle moments where you put an extra E on the end of potato and that becomes your calling card. So I think he may have steered clear, but I'll have to ask him if I'm actually secretly seeking vengeance and didn't realize. <laughs>
1: so what did you find most humorous about the last couple of years at the spelling bee?
0: Some people come up and they say, greetings to the great people of my state, and it's wonderful to have, I just, I'm taking this time to really put Maryland on the map or whatnot, and that's always fun to see in the midst of a spelling bee. But also, I love the context sentences. Spelling bee context sentences are just my favorite thing of the world, because sometimes you don't actually get a sense of what the word means from the context sentence, but you just have to hear about boy, Bill certainly enjoyed visiting the Acadians. And it's like, oh, good. Well, I really now understand what the Acadians were. Thank you for helping. So what
1: has been the most difficult word for you to spell sort of over and over again? For me, for example, it's accommodate or accommodation.
0: One or two M's? There's so many M's and there's too many, are there, how many, then I start questioning how many C's C's. there are. Yeah, because there's too many M's, but there's also too many C's, but maybe there aren't enough C's anyway, yeah. Like knowledgeable, I always think it should have an E in it. Or maybe it does have an E in it and I'm correct. (laughs) Or judgment, because I always like, there, there could be an E, but there doesn't have to be an E. But also just short words that, if you don't know how to spell them, you're just out of luck because there's no hidden origin clues in there for you. Those are my bane. Right. So do you have any hope
1: that these press versus politicians spelling bees could miraculously improve relations in America today between the press versus politicians? Or is that just like a pipe dream?
0: I think that's a pipe dream, but it's sure lovely to spell. Boy, uh, howdy.
1: So do you have any message for the politicians that you're going to be up against on September
0: 17th? Uh, Get your dictionaries ready and get your mental pencils sharpened because the fourth estate is coming. I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Really just prep that and am
1: ready to rumble. You're ready to rumble. I can tell. Our guest has been Washington Post columnist Alexander Petry and we've been discussing her triumph in last year's Press vs. Politicians Spelling Bee at the National Press Club and this year's upcoming competition. Don't miss it on Tuesday, September 17th at 7 p.m. at the National Press Club. You can get your tickets at the club's website, www. And if you just absolutely can't make it, we'll be streaming it live online also at www.press.org.
0: Update 1 is a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Podcast Committee. You can comment on this podcast or any episode of Update One by sending an email to update1podcast, that's update, the number one podcast, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Update One.